Coming at you from Title One Studios, I'm Steph Scholl here with the Silver Dollar Man. And who's the Silver Dollar Man? Why, me of course, Scott Stevenson. All you real estate agents out there, the Utah housing market can feel like a rat race at times. You guys are constantly having to adapt and change. And here at Nominations, how do you separate yourself from the pack? This is a weekly dose to help you with that. Okay, but we had another episode we wanted to share from what podcast, Scott? The Utah Real Estate Podcast. And who was it that we had over there that we wanted to share with nominations? We have Lee Stern. So Lee has been in the industry for 49 years. Yes. Five decades. Yes. I even asked her if she was the original listing agent of the Beehive House. (laughs) Yes, yes, he did. I sat there and, and panicked for a bit when you asked that question. But um, Lee, her her knowledge was just awesome. Awesome. Her story is great. We thought it would be great for you to hear her story here over at nominations um, because we enjoyed it so much. We thought we'd want to share it with you. And this gives you hope that you can be in the industry for five decades. There you go. Absolutely. So we hope you enjoy this episode. Lee Stern from Keller Williams. Why, hello, I'm Steph Scholl, and I'm stoked to be a first-time homebuyer. Well, you might say, Steph, I'm a little more seasoned than you are. I'm Scott Stevenson, also known as the Silver Dollar Man. And you're listening to Season 3 of the Utah Real Estate Podcast, where experts present keys to secure a house for your home. And I promise you listeners that this is the place to be on Thursdays. You don't want to miss it. Our guest today is Lee Stern of the Stern Team with Keller Williams. And today is going to be great because Lee is going to talk about the economy of real estate and the difference between 2020 to 2021. I mean, here in Utah, we had an earthquake, the world, we have COVID, and then, all kinds of things. and then like the housing market, the shortage of housing. So it's going but to be... I am going to interject one question before we get into that question, and then we'll get back to it, Stephanie. This has been on my mind for a long time because there's rumors about... That you, because of your background, your extensive background in the state of Utah, were you the one who originally listed the Beehive home? I did not. I'm not quite that old. 48 years in the business doesn't quite get me to the Beehive home. Well, that was a rumor. But close. I just, I just wanted to clear that up. Close. Thanks, Scott. Well, I... Yeah, I'm old. I've been in real estate for 48 years. So, yes, a long time. Oh, my Maybe bad. almost right after the Beehive house. So. There you so 48, are you going to have a huge party for your 50th year? Um, no, I'll be actually 49th year come April. Oh, so, so you're almost, on your, so almost 49. to 49 years. Oh, I know. Wow. It's oh, pretty wow. amazing. That's awesome. I know. It just makes me really old. It makes you very knowledgeable, very, too. And knowledgeable. Very knowledgeable. Old and well, knowledgeable. Yeah, and that's why we have you on here. So I know I got us off track here, but going back. <laughs> it took me a second when you were seeing the Beehive House. I'm like, what's the Beehive House? That sounds really cool. I want to know this. You and have then to I was be like, really old, Stephanie, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to know the Beehive House. Well, so anyway, now that we've gotten past that rumor, yes. uh, let's get to the uh, task at hand. 2021. What do you see compared to 2020? With all of the things that have happened in 2020, just give us some of your thoughts. 
Well, first, I'm really glad 2020 is done. Yeah. (laughs) I I hate that in my lifetime, I got to be a part of a year where it seems like a once in a lifetime event happened too many times. Yeah. (laughs) So, so much for once in a lifetime. 2020 was a really outstanding year, real estate wise. It's been a very difficult year in so many other ways. Um, other than real estate, but for real estate, it's been a really, really great year. And I wouldn't have expected that. I would have expected and and did. We talked about it, you know, on March 6th when the governor asked politely to please um, stay at home, how this was going to affect real estate. And, and it did affect it. We had to pivot and do lots of things differently than we had ever done before. But I really thought that it would like put the brakes on things. And people would just be afraid to to do anything, um, much less move and buy houses and go look at houses and all of that. And just the opposite happened. Isn't that strange? Because it, I think most people did think the market was going to crash. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we had, at that point, had a market that had been going up for eight consecutive years. And we're now over nine years. But at that point, eight consecutive years. So we would have been due for a shift a dip in the market based on history. So I thought, okay, this will be it. They'll they'll call it the COVID dip. You know? um, but Sounds just like a good dance. Yeah, yeah. But it did not happen. It was absolutely a um, stunning um, real estate year. What do you think about this year compared to last year? I know it was a great year last year, it, and then you always have the was. naysayers. But it what do you was. think about 21? Uh, it's going to be better than last year. Wow. Yeah, they yeah last year um, in 2020 uh, along the Wasatch Front, uh, homes went up uh, on average, appreciated 12 percent, and so we won't see that again this year. They expect this year to be about 8 percent. That could change a little based on the lack of inventory, which is our biggest uh, biggest challenge. But I think it's going to be wonderful. We ended the year last year at interest rates in the twos. I'm 68. That's never happened in my lifetime. It's it's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And for this year, we're expecting that even though they will be up a little, you know, they're going to be at, I would guess, between three and three and a quarter, which is remarkable. Yeah, we worry about first-time home buyers, which I think that's those are the folks that are the most challenged, both last year and this year in the market. But truthfully, I went and looked back, and from an affordability factor, houses are more affordable now because of those interest rates than they were five years ago and than they were 10 years ago. So even though they're paying more money, the interest rates are lower, and it makes the housing more affordable. Yeah, I remember when I originally, or not originally, but I remember buying a home in the 90s where the interest rate that I got was 12%. And you could imagine, in fact, I was telling my kids the other day that, you know, I told them what what the payment was, and and they had houses that were worth four times that Mm -hmm. and still paying less. Yeah. I used to um, be able to tell clients um, that anything 10 and below was a blessing because, (laughs) yeah, yeah, I was around when they were selling for 17.5%. So so there are some good things, those interest rates being a big part of that. And we're certainly an attractive uh, state. So we have a lot of people now that they've discovered that they can indeed work from home, and so therefore home can be anywhere. 
We have a lot of people that are coming to Utah because we are an attractive state. And somebody said to me the other day, well, I know all the people from California are moving here. And certainly we have a lot of people from California. It seems to be our number one uh, state that comes to Utah, but not just California. I've seen quite a few people from Seattle. And I think that they're in technology. Therefore, they're able to live anywhere. And in Seattle, it's all about the outside experience. And in Utah, it's all about the outside experience. So I think we're attracting people who are looking for a more balanced life that has a lot to offer. And our state has a whole lot to offer, both in recreation and lifestyle, but also in the security of our state. We have such a healthy, uh, well-managed financially a state that I think that's very appealing. And certainly people that are in other states that I could name are like, holy cow, you know, you you all end up with a bad unemployment rate is, you know, 5% or less here. In their states, it's 16%. It's 10%. Lots, lots of good things happening for us in Utah this year, I think, real estate-wise. Well, hearing you guys reminisce about the 18%, 12%, (laughs) it just gave me a whole new perspective. And so I think that, Lee, for you to have five decades worth Mm -hmm. of experience, you should see the whole picture, right? And so one of our listeners had a question, and I'm just curious if this question is something you heard back when you started starting to now. Andy Bernard wrote in and he said, is now a good time to buy? And I'm just wondering, because we get that question a lot. We do. But has that been asked all throughout your career that people are afraid of? It's a great, it's a great question that Andy had. A really great question. Probably the one we hear most often is, is now a good time or should I wait till the market dips? Nobody can ever time the market. Mm -hmm. And so that's the challenge. You don't know you made a good time or not until it's passed. But again, affordability factor, yes. If we take my 48 years in real estate, the average interest rate over that 48 years is 8%. So for us to be, I had a client who closed us last week and they were at 2.8%. Yeah. You can buy a lot more house. Here's the other challenge, Stephanie. A lot of people say, I want to, I, I don't have enough money. I, I need to save some more before I buy. And, and, and that goes along with the, and maybe I should wait a little. The challenge you have is, let's look at last year. If the average home went up 12%, many cases in many areas, it went up more than that. Let's say 12%. How many people were able to put 12% in the bank last year? I believe you cannot outsave the appreciation. And I bought my first house at 22, and it has been a wonderful wealth-building process. I, I own several properties now, and uh, I think everybody should if they can, and I think most people can and don't know they can, um, own multiple houses. Um, the wealth in America, for the most part, has been built on real estate, not on the stock market, not on other investments, but on real estate. And so I would tell Andy to stop waiting. Because my bet is Andy can't save 8% again of his income this year. And that's how much a house would go for in appreciation. I think your house, especially in the beginning when you're buying your first house, your second house, your third house, I think it's built in savings. 
not only do I love that you're not paying your landlord's house payment, Mm -hmm. that you're actually going to have some advantage of that homeownership between taxes and write-offs, but I, I honestly think that the appreciation that happens from that, you can't do it any other way. You could get lucky, Stephanie, maybe, and maybe you bought Netflix when it was $20 a share, and now it's $550 a share, but most of us didn't do that. Mm -hmm. And the other thing I love, if we talk about real estate as an investment, not just your home, but as an investment, think about it in terms of if I chose to invest instead in the stock market. In real estate, I'm putting... 3% down, 5% down, 10% down, 20% down. In some cases, zero. There are some no money down kind of properties that you can buy or mortgages you can get. So in reality, I'm going to put, say, 5% down. If I buy stock, how much do they want? 100%. So the $20 per share of Netflix that I had to buy, I had to spend the whole 20 for every share. Good comparison. Yeah. Yeah. So you look at, why would you pay somebody else's mortgage when the mortgage rates are so low? The rents are as high as mortgage payments. Rents are amazingly high. They are. They are. And, and, and so, you know, Lee, let me pick your brain here a little bit then. One of the, the I guess, challenges here in the Utah market uh, is availability or units that are available. So, how do you see the market, meaning the the builders, the the more multiple units? Uh, how do you see the adjustment of the market there? Do you do you think we'll catch up? What do you see in the okay. future in your mind? Yeah, so I think that we have a um, we have the lowest inventory in recorded history right now, and that's not just here. That's all across the United States. I've just spent the last four days with 50,000 agents from all different parts of the world. And in the United States, So this is not a unique Utah problem. This is not a Utah problem. Mm -hmm. This is in the nation. This is the problem. Now, I do think that the builders made a shift a few years ago, and I think it was a blessing that they made this shift. I don't think they did it necessarily... Uh, for the reasons that we're now using. But what's happened is now builders are buying, are building a lot of townhouses, for example. That is probably the most common product. And so where 10 years ago, Scott, the average first-time home buyer bought a house, a single-family detached house for their first home. And then if they were smart, they kept it as an investment later and went and bought another one. If they, You should do that at least three times. <laughs> so that's a great way to create wealth. But the builders started because of the land prices and the availability of land, they started doing more of the townhouses. So multi-unit, high density. And that's been a real blessing because it has allowed first-time home buyers to have a product to move into. The challenge that most people find with a townhouse is they're mostly for young families. That's who mostly buys them. Probably all those stairs wouldn't appeal to me, mm-hmm. but for yeah. youngsters, you can run up <laughs> and down. down. It's not a problem. Mm-hmm. But what I find is when they get pregnant with about child number two, they realize there just isn't enough space. Now they need yard. 
they need a bit more space. So those people are in townhouses usually for a shorter period of time, three to five years, versus a single family detached home. Currently, people are in that house usually seven to 10 years. Yeah. Now, do you, it's interesting. I've only been in Utah now for, as everybody knows, who's listening to this, I'm an East Coast guy. Should I say that again, Stephanie? I'm an East Coast guy. <laughs> I always guy. make fun of Scott because I'm like, everyone knows you're East Coast guy. <laughs> so I'm an East Coast guy. I'm actually used to seeing a lot of townhomes, condos, those kinds of things. And yes. when I first came out to Utah here just a few years ago, I didn't see that much of it. And I remember remarking to my wife, wow, I don't really see these multi-units uh, at all. But now, in the last yeah. couple of years, I see them springing up all over the place, dotting everywhere, and I see why they're doing it. Then the next question is, you brought up a great question or a challenge. Are those families going to be able to find single-family homes three years from now? I think that they are. I think it's it's kind of a moving process. I think when you're in a townhouse, you're looking for a first-time single-family home. Those people have now probably outgrown that house and need to move to house number two. I always tell people it takes five houses to get your dream home. <laughs> I don't know if that's exactly right, but it seems to be what mm-hmm. I find. So I think there is a logical progression. Um, I do think that in Utah in particular, for years, we did houses that were built on, you know, a third of an acre, a half acre. We just, we did big lots. And at that time, I think people wanted those. So I don't think that was the builder just arbitrarily deciding that's what he was going to offer you. But I think as time has gone on, more of us have decided that um, we'd like to golf rather than mow lawns. I think more of the neighborhoods have done a better job of planning neighborhoods. So now that they've done that, there's a playground in a lot of, I mean, in almost every neighborhood. So I don't need a big yard. My kids are playing with their friends, you know, two lots down in what is now a neighborhood um, playground. Yeah. In fact, I will say that one of the remarkable things that I saw in coming to Utah was the, the how well the neighborhoods were planned mm-hmm. with uh, for families, yes. whether it was water pads or parks yes. or or playgrounds or whatnot, I just I was amazed at the amount of parks that were available for families to go to within walking distance. Yes, and I think when Daybreak first came to town um, a number of years ago, um, they're um, a, a shining example in Utah of a fully planned community. Uh, but I think everybody looked around and said, "Wow, they've got something there." We need to have more of these parks nearby. And I also think that more of our homeowners have said, again, we'd rather go mountain biking. We'd rather go camping. We don't want to spend all of our time taking care of a yard. Makes total sense. Yeah. So when we had lots of space, we seemed to use a lot of big yards. And now that we have less space, I think we're doing smaller yards. And I do think that for the average person, the smaller yard is preferred over the larger yard. Whether they have to do that financially or not, it is still, I think, the preferred. I hate yard work, so I would be one of those. <laughs> I do too. I do too. My yeah. family, my mother believes that if you have to have drapes, you live too close to your neighbors um, and still <laughs> says that. So all of my brothers and sisters have big acreage. Mm-hmm. And yes, I just would rather golf. 
<laughs> Love it. Well, so do you think new construction will outpace what new construction was in 2020, meaning 2021, 22? No, I, ne- I need the builders to ramp it up. We yeah. need the builders to ramp it up. And it's not that they're not trying. They are. But um, land acquisition is not easy. There's a whole process that just every year gets harder. Um with the cities as far as permitting and water and 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 I understand all the natural resources that are used um, by virtue of that, but um, they I wish they could be building at a faster pace than they are able to build. And then of course they had the again um, in 2020 the once in a lifetime oh my gosh suddenly lumber went sky high. I mean you were paying. Instead of, I think it was, I think they were paying $7 a two-by-four. A sheet of plywood went from $11 to over $22. Man. So suddenly, builders were like, whoa, I sold a house, I committed to it, and I'm now going to lose $30,000. So now what builders are having to do is when they get a contract, they're not locking in a price until they do a today bid. And then they do the price based on today. But again, that was 2020, a once-in-a-lifetime kind of and event. And why do you think the, the cost went up so much? Because of COVID, you think, last year? Or um, is this something that's going to be sustained? I, you know, I haven't researched that. Um, so I don't honestly know uh, whether that is a resource problem um, or whether that was a uh, transportation shipping problem. Um, I know that a lot of timber comes from uh, Canada, and I know that with COVID, um, transportation Borders, in and yeah. out is yeah. is not easy. So it may be that. It may be that um, it, it was raised because it could be. Yeah. I mean, for those people who own the lumber, I don't, I don't know. I'm only speculating. I just know that it did happen. It has gotten better I'm hoping it will continue to go down and get back to where it was uh, prior to early fall of this year. But it's been six months where it's been, you know, roughly six months that it's been higher than ever before. Yeah, I actually have relatives that live in, in uh, Canada, and I know that, it, that they've been locked down. Yep. And the borders have been secured much yep. more uh, than they ever have been in the past. Yes. That, that, yes. You know, those are a lot of issues that you don't think about when you think about COVID or any other natural mm-hmm. disasters or things when the economy changes that um, all these – the economy, I should say, is very susceptible to all of these oh, changing and factors. lots of products. I've had clients who um, – I gave one of my clients my garage refrigerator. You know, which is like fifty years old and harvest gold, uh, but still, but still ticking. <laughs> well, because those um, were built good. They are built to last, yeah. Stephanie. And I gave I love them the harvest gold. The, well, good. <laughs> <laughs> I gave that to one of my clients for her garage because her refrigerator for her new house, not a new construction, but just the new house that didn't come with the fridge, was um, two months to arrive. To be able to get. Now, it ended up taking three months, and all of that was COVID-related. There have been lots of those very odd things that you would not think were affected, and it is that uh, getting it from wherever it's coming from. Yeah. 
Well, another one of our listeners wrote in. So you had talked about how rents are higher. And this listener, Rachel Green, she said that her roommate just started dating someone. So she's being booted out of the apartment. And she just was like, I, and she's moving here, relocating here to Utah. And she's like, I don't know how our rent's different from last year to this year. Like, have they gone up from last year? Or they, it's a hot market for rentals. Um, kind of like when I do a grand opening for a new list. And I have, you know, over a hundred people show up mm-hmm. to this two-hour grand opening to buy a house. I do the same kind of thing when one of my rentals becomes available, and you get dozens of really? groups, couples, groups um, that are there to buy it. So I think rents have never been higher. Um, I don't think that's going to stop because we expect Utah to be in the top five for in-migration states. So not only do we home grow a lot of uh, people who need first-time homes or apartments, condos, townhouses to rent for a while, we also have a large group of people coming in from out of state. And uh, so I think it's going to continue. Thus far, it's been a very, in 2021, it's been a very hot market. And so, yes, I would expect that rents will go up. Now, I've seen, and I don't know if you've seen this or not, but it, it, in, at least in the neighborhood I've been in, it seems like there's a lot of multifamilies now living. In other words, the parents yes. are coming and moving in with the children, yes. or the children are moving in with the parents. Absolutely. Much more so than I've ever seen in the past. Do you see that to be the case? Yes, and about 20 years ago or so, time flies at my age, um, I was on. I was one of the judges for the Parade of Homes. Ooh, yeah, that's fun. It was fun. And there were, I think, eight or nine homes that year. Um, I remember this had to have been more than 20 years ago. It was in the 90s. Because I remember that every one of the homes had the hunter green carpet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was quite the color that year. Don't don't ever do Don't that. go back. Don't ever go back to that color again. Shows everything. Um, but what I discovered that year was it was like every builder was putting in a little apartment downstairs. And my thought was, well, I'm never going to do that or they would never leave. But truthfully... Um, nowadays, if I have a house that has a um, apartment downstairs, um, it's hot. That's a huge selling fa- feature because we are seeing multi generational family units. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. It's been it's been really interesting to me. And just in the last couple of years, it just seems like all of a sudden, I you know, there's yes. three cars outside of the other of the uh, of neighbor's house, yeah. and four, and and it's just multiple. Uh, family members absolutely and then the other reason for the high demand on um, uh, having those apartments downstairs if they have a separate entrance um, you know Salt Lake City has the accessory apartment um, and so it's a way for first-time home buyers in particular to subsidize their payment by being allowed to rent out that apartment as long as they live in the unit then they can rent that downstairs that becomes a viable financial solution for a lot of people. Does that have do they have to have a separate entrance? Just curious. Do they have if they don't have a separate entrance, can they rent to um, a non-family member? They might you know? be they might be able to. I'm just not sure how many non-family members would like to walk through your house yeah. <laughs> to get down to their house or yeah. how often you'd yeah. like to have that person walking through your house. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think the separate entrance has kind of been the the division, the deciding yeah. point. But I don't know if it's the legally deciding yeah. point. Yeah, yeah. 
So just out of curiosity, what are you seeing with luxury homes or like the second homes in Park City or whatever? Are those things like are people wanting to get rid of them more or? Yeah, great question. So I was up in Park City last week teaching. They're having a really hot market up there um, where their average price is probably 800000 or more. Um, so the luxury homes does not seem to be uh, affected much. So in when the market shifted, which was in July of uh, 2006, the market started to shift. And the ones that got, because the on average homes went down 30%. And I think the ones that got hit the hardest were our people who own luxury homes that were in a million dollars or more, absolutely got hardest, hardest hit. And where most homes within, you know, seven years of the beginning of it tipping down and coming back up then, it took them about seven years to level itself out. It really has been just in the last less than 12 months that the true luxury homes have suddenly begun to explode. And I just was on an appointment down in Draper last week, and I did an absorption rate for Salt Lake County and for Draper. And you look at the houses that were one million, one million and a half, up to two million, and they were at like a one month or less absorption rate. Then when I got to about a million and three quarters, there was a three month absorption rate before they would ever sell. And then it went back down again. So it was like, holy cow, a year ago, it was 10 or 12 months Whoa. absorption rate. So suddenly, the million plus seemed to be flying off the market. Now, I have to tell you very honestly, I stopped at 2 million. So I don't know if the people at 3 million, 4 million, 5 million, 10 million, how they're currently being mm -hmm. affected because I didn't run that absorption yeah. rate for this client. But uh, suddenly, up to 2 million... For sure, their market's back. And a part of that, I do believe, Stephanie, is simply that we've got so many people coming from out of state. Mm. And if you come to Utah from along the coast, the West Coast or the East Coast, then you come here and you go, wow, you get a lot of house for your money. Now, if you're coming here from the Midwest or the South, you go, Wow, you're charging what? <laughs> so our mm -hmm. our median price last year for the first time ever in Salt Lake exceeded four hundred thousand. Man, wow, that's that's a lot. Yeah. That is a lot. That's a lot. Uh, in fact, that surprises me. For some reason, in my mind, I thought it was around three seventy or something no. like that. It's over four hundred. It's over four hundred now. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, prices are going up. So depending on where they come from. Mm-hmm. We may be a great market or we may not be, um, but certainly for the people coming from, say, California, as we were talking about before, they come out here and they go, wow, for a million dollars, I get yeah, you know, so 5,000, 6,000, 7,000, 8,000, 9,000 square feet. Wow, you have a good market. Yeah. I have a new hobby, and it's um, for the $10 million homes. Like, they do the virtual tours. Yes. And so <laughs> me and my siblings, <laughs> like, I'll call them and be like, hey, look at this house. And we were, like, going through it together, and it's just, like. <laughs> it's pretty amazing. It's, fun to get decorating it, ideas, It's fun too. to, like, look at everything. You feel like you're, like, a creeper inside. But but I feel like these luxury homes. 
I've well, never, I, Stephanie, felt like the creeper. <laughs> so that's a new well, concept. Because well, you're like, I, listen, you're going to keep I, seeing their family picture or whatever. Yeah. Well, I try to stay out of those homes because it depresses my wife. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel great as a provider until I see those homes, and then my wife says, you're a loser. She's like, why don't I have a manor, Scott? I love that Stephanie is dreaming big. I think that's a really I just think it's so fun to to look at. Like, I think it's so much fun because it is. It's like looking, and you're like, whoa, I don't need to live in this. I can just look at these all the time. And the reality is we can never accomplish what we can't dream. It's true. A good so, point. And yeah. that brings me to a real good point, mm-hmm. which is if you were had something to, to, to say to the consumers out there, they're looking to get into the real estate market that are dipping their toe or they're afraid, what, what words of wisdom would you give them? That I bought my house, my first house at age 22. And I have never regretted a single house that I have bought, that it, it truly is the product that has provided me with financial well-being. I would tell those people that are dipping their feet in that they need to pay attention to that. Social Security is not going to be around for them. There aren't many people that stay in a job for a long period of time, so retirement benefits are probably not something you can count on. So I think we're at a time um, in the world where For those people thinking about dipping their feet in, they should just jump in because they're truly going to be the ones that have to create their retirement opportunities. I heard on the radio um, um, in the last two months something about in, you know, 30 or 40 years, the average person is going to live to be 125. I was mortified. Uh, I can't imagine being able to golf at 125, so I don't want to be I around for that long. I can golf that score. Yeah, I can golf that score. Yes, I can <laughs> golf that score. But what I'm saying is I think that they have to be the ones that have a plan to be able to live a long life and and a, be financially responsible for funding that long life. And right now at 22 or 25 or 35, they're not thinking that way. And I think that's unfortunate. I think it's going to catch them unaware in the not very distant future um, because they're, they're, they're going to be their only support system, I believe. Well, that's I, – interestingly, I have thought this a similar kind of thing. They used to have those great defined benefit plans that corporations had. My father-in-law was with IBM for like 45 years. My father worked as a, in the federal government, for, and they got great pension plans. Yes. But those plans are just not there anymore, and no. they're not going to be there. And Social Security is another it's question. Not, it's, not going, question. it's not going to be there. It, yeah. um, my kids are in their 40s, and they will be lucky – I think they'll be the last decade um, to be able to really get some sort of, and I don't know that it'll be as much, and what you get for Social Security isn't much to begin with. No. Um, it certainly isn't a retirement plan. No. Um, <laughs> it's a bad plan. It, it, it's a very bad plan. It's yeah. a very bad plan, but I think that people need to to decide to do that, which is why every time I meet with a first-time home buyer, and I'm doing a buyer consultation with them, um, my consultation really is, let's get you into a home, not your dream home. Um, we'll be lucky if it has the five things you want in the house. We need to get you into a home. And we can do that with almost no money down or maybe no money down because it's going to be owner-occupied. And truthfully, 
I want you to live in that house for somewhere between six months and two years. And then I want you to keep that house as a rental. And we'll let a tenant pay your payment for you. And then we're going to buy another house and you're going to be owner-occupied. So again, it's like no money to 5% down. And we're going to live in that one for another six months to two years. And then we're going to buy a third house. And we're going to keep those other two as rentals. It is honestly the best retirement start I can give anybody is to follow that plan. Um, I have six houses. They're all paid off, plus the one I live in, so I guess seven. Um, And it's wonderful. That's a wonderful income to be getting every single month that I don't have to worry about somebody else having to provide for me. And I want to have all of those people be able to do that. And a lot of my clients are, for years and years, I was kind of the queen of first-time home buyers. And a lot of teachers and people that should be paid a lot more money than are currently paid, you know, Policemen and firefighters and people who are in service industries don't make a lot of money. And I worry specifically about those folks and making sure we get them into something and then provide them with a plan to be able to begin to build some sort of wealth. It's a scary time if they don't do it. Yeah. Well, and hearing that like all those houses are paid off, like what peace of mind. And I think that sometimes people look at that and it's like, oh, I won't ever be able to do that. On um, one of my other podcasts, I interviewed this couple that they paid off $250,000 of debt mm-hmm. in, over a decade, you know, and they're like, we could have bought a house for that. Yes. But like, they really had to like work hard with that and, and save. But I think that like your plan of helping them get investment properties and stuff and having tenants over that time, you've seen that you're living the American dream right now. Yeah. Well, and the sooner they begin to do that, the easier it becomes. If they're buying a house like I was at age 22 and you do a 30-year mortgage, well, okay, you know, then by the time I'm 52, it's all paid off. Um So if I start that when I'm 50, which you can do, then you need to put it on a 15-year mortgage to get it off. But at these interest rates, you can do a 15-year mortgage. Mm -hmm. And so that's a good one. The other is I I like consulting with buyers about just being good savers. I mean, the idea that at 22, if they put $50, um, I think it's every two weeks into a bank, um, or into a savings bank at this point is a lousy place, yeah. but, <laughs> but into savings. Yes. That it, by the time they reach 65, they'll be over a million dollars there. And really? Yes. It's pretty incredible yeah. what money will do over it's time. The, it's the compound. Read the book, The Compound Effect, Stephanie. Okay. Um, but that, Wait, that's, so it was $50 every two weeks. I think it's $50 every yeah. two weeks. And the interesting, um, thing about that is how you have to then think about that is, okay, you have a million bucks in there. Ideally, when you retire, you want to make sure that you're only spending 4% of what you have in the bank per year. So about $40,000. That way you never touch your principal and you're always safe. It'll always, it'll, it'll keep producing when you're 125. Okay. Stephanie's going to live forever. Yeah. But can can you live on 40,000 a year? You can if everything's paid off. So yeah. I like talking to youngsters as they're in that beginning stages of buying that first house because I think there needs to be a whole discussion about a game plan. I don't think in high school, I don't even think in college. 
and certainly not in most homes with parents, are there really great financial discussions happening? No. That question has been hanging in the air for decades because I think you're right. It's not happening. No. And unfortunately, it, it, it didn't happen in my household either. And and so you you're scared. Yeah. There's some fear there that somehow you're going to make a big mistake, or you're going to look like a fool, um, or you're going to have a disaster on your hands. But um, but but most of the time it works out fine. Yeah. It it does work out fine. So truly, again, why pay a landlord's payment, which is what you're doing if you're renting. Mm-hmm. And if it's not the perfect house, it's not going to be the perfect house, but you don't have to live there forever. Currently, you're living in an apartment, which is not a perfect house. <laughs> so obviously, you can do that for a year or two. If that, you know, you do a little sacrificing, you don't expect your first car is going to be a Mercedes. Mm-hmm. It's not. You know, it probably isn't going to look real cool, but it gets you around. So it's the same kind of concept. Get into that first house. Make that first step. Begin a plan to get to the next step and the one after that. It's a gradual step-by-step-by-step. Nobody goes out unless they win a lottery, and none of us do. We don't have the lottery in our state. So (laughs) unless they win a lottery, they're not going to— one in Maryland when I was there. (laughs) (laughs) You have a poor picker. You just got to pick states that have those. Of course, I wasn't playing, but— But anyway, so I think it's a step-by-step planning, but— the first step is to go buy. This waiting, all the, I mean, you think about it. Scott, I had people last year, some of my buyer's agents, who had clients who were looking in the 400000 price range, so the medium price range. Yeah. And that was going to be their first home. And because they were waiting, they weren't sure this was the uh-huh. right time, or they were saving money, or whatever the excuse they gave themselves, because most of the time it is an excuse. It's not that they couldn't do it. They could have, and they just were leery for some reason. 12% of, of that is, of 400000 was $48,000. That's what they robbed themselves of. Man. This year at 8%, they're going to rob themselves of $32,000 if they don't do it. Yeah. Well, my advice to any couple who's laying there at night, you know, Staring up at the ceiling, or, and then they look at each other and say, should we do it? Shouldn't we do it? Should we do it? Shouldn't we do it? I would say, listen to Lee. Yes, they should Listen do to it. this podcast again. Take the advice that Lee Stern is giving. She knows her stuff. Get in. Yeah, absolutely, and do it fast. And it's not easy. They're going to have to try unsuccessfully a few times. Mm-hmm. It's such a feeding frenzy and a bidding war at so many of these houses. But doesn't it doesn't matter. They need to get in. Yeah. Well, this has been some great information for anybody who's considering uh, purchasing a home uh, and some great advice, actually, from a veteran mm-hmm. of a number of years. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> right? It's way kinder. <laughs> a veteran. Yeah, I'm a veteran too. Um, and so this has been real informative, I think. I want to know, 
what are some of your favorite trends that you've seen? So you talked about that green carpet that well, we can all imagine. Well, what? and I went on to have, I went on, on and, and got that green carpet. I know, because trends are, It was you the know? trend, yeah. yeah. And it showed every string, every everything, <laughs> don't do it. I also remember prior to the green trend, even farther back, I remember one time saying to one of my clients in the early 80s, she had blue carpet in her house. And I said, and it was old. And I said, we need to take that out and you need to put in a new trend. And so, and she called me up a couple of weeks later and said, oh, I got the new carpet. It's gorgeous. It's so neutral. It's wonderful. I went into her house. It's mauve. That's pink. <laughs> pink. She put pink carpet in. Uh, so <laughs> trends come and go. But yeah, some of them are best if they never come back and they just go. That's so left buried. Pink and blue and green, still not great carpet colors. Um Truthfully. Um, so the trends we've seen for quite a while now has been uh, more of the gray trend, mm-hmm. uh, more of the brushed nickel. Um, in the um, early 2000s is when we first saw the open concept floor plan where you had a great room instead of a formal living room. I love that trend. Mm-hmm. I think very few people have used their formal living room mm-hmm. uh, for much of anything. And now that there isn't... Um, home visiting teachers, you're, mm-hmm. you're you're not seeing that that used at all, unless you have a grand piano, and then it's the perfect place to have your <laughs> grand piano. So I think that was one trend that we've seen, uh, the vaulted ceilings more so um, of a trend. Dining rooms have gone out of trend, for which I'm glad. A lot of people who have dining rooms have turned those into their home offices, which is a great you know, second use for a dining room. Mm-hmm. Some families love their dining room. Don't get me wrong. Um, they have families over. It's a great place to entertain. It's wonderful. But for the average person, dining room is not on their list of things that they're looking for at all. What about some of the architect- architectural trends? I see. I, it seems that there's a lot more kind of um, modern there's more of that, and I think there's more diversity in the housing. Um, I think that was one of the – there were a few things when I moved here from Wisconsin in the 70s that I was kind of taken aback by. One, I couldn't find bratwurst in the stores back then. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a Wisconsin girl, so that was alarming. So I couldn't find bratwurst. Um, you can now, but you couldn't back then. There weren't enough trees. You know, my mother truly has the the belief that if you have to – have drapes, you live too close to your neighbors. So all of that was about having big trees. Mm-hmm. And we, didn't, we didn't have trees. And the other thing that I noticed was that it felt like all. It wasn't. But it felt like, wow, Utah kind of specializes in stucco boxes. And I just saw way too many of those, less diversity in, in style. They were either boxes or rectangles, single story or two story, but they all seemed to be done in stucco. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, so I, I think we've seen a lot more of the diversity happening in styles of home. Um, again, I will credit Daybreak for, I think, bringing in a lot of the fact that people are now looking going, wow, let's go back to front mm-hmm. porches because yeah. we got away from front porches. And I would say that the most current trend for the last two or three years, Scott, has indeed been the ultra modern homes. Yeah. I've, I've noticed that. Yep. I just sold a lot to a friend of mine. She's going to build one. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're personally one of my favorites. I just sold another one to another friend of mine up immigration. That's just a stunning home. Um, I think it's very cool. But I grew up, my dad was a home home designer. 
Oh, cool. Her. And so we lived in modern homes mm. before modern homes were the thing. Yeah, yeah. And so it kind of, I guess, probably brings me back to my childhood oh, yeah. that now I'm seeing these kind of lots of glass, big windows mm-hmm. we're going for the views. I think the other thing that we used to not do real well here and now, two things that we used to not do real well, and now we're doing better at them, is one is we had very little in zoning laws when I first moved to Utah. You know, you could build a um, a million-dollar house next to a starter home and nobody or, or, or a mobile home, and I've had that, and, and nobody thought anything of that. So I thought that was very uh, odd, but I think they've done a much better job of that. And the other thing is I think that people have begun to say, if we're going to build a house, let's build a house that aesthetically fits the area. So sometimes you'll look and you'll see houses that are, I'm going to make this up. You'll find a purple house. Mm-hmm. There is nothing in nature or around you that makes you mm-hmm. think that that should blend in somehow aesthetically to the environment it's in. So I think modern homes do a pretty good job of that. So I'm very happy for that too. Yeah, I think they bring a lot more natural products to it. Another trend that I'm beginning to see just beginning. It's barely there. So you might want to get it on it early before okay. everybody else. It's kind of like I thought I thought um, Capri's wouldn't last. <laughs> so I put it off for years. I was a very late starter. A late Capri's. Late Capri wear is we're seeing back the uh, gold fixtures. And we're beginning to see those in, in the newer homes. Gold in the lamps, gold in yeah. the handles, gold in your doorknobs. So we're beginning to see more of that beginning to come back. I like that. I, I, I like too. the gold. Yeah. Maybe, I don't know. I like the gold. And I like a little bit of diversity. I noticed that too. Is that I? In, in fact, we were out at a project here the other day where they had rooftops that you could actually go up and, and uh, use uh, square footage for your home. Yes. And, and, and that's kind of unique, too, and kind of neat. Yes, I'm seeing that in some of the townhomes in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a few out in Daybreak. There's some in Midvale. Um, gosh, there's another place that there. Where'd we go, Steph? It was Holiday. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Holiday. It was kind of interesting. Yeah, I, another builder that I know that I think is going to do that out in West Jordan. So, yeah. I like it. I, I, like, do, I, I do, like too. Well, again, I think having that extra space, that outside mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. outside space is uh, good without having to mow it. Yeah. yeah. You know, and hearing you talk about these trends of, like, how people used to want the formal dining room and yes. now they want the open spaces, it just makes me realize that really, like, the inside of your home— over the decades is going to change. You're yes. going to have the different deca- the different things that you want. But like, because we, we always talk about how like we're securing a house for people's homes, right? So like the inside of the house might change, but like it is that that place that people are creating memories and, and everything. And so it's just, I don't know. It's sort of interesting to think about how what I want now, I may not care about 10 years from now. No, you won't. And part of that will be, you know, children and how you use mm-hmm. a house. You know, I remember first buying a house, I used 80% of that house. Well, once the kids were gone, I used 20% of that mm-hmm. house. So it's maybe time to change and have a different floor plan where I'd be back to using the 80%. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Because the 20% that you're using 
is is now maybe not the most effective way to use that 20%. It's not. Because you're looking at it and going, I don't want to be, I'm in my bedroom, I'm back to the fridge, right. back to the bedroom. <laughs> well, or even, you know, yeah. if I was the old old way with the kids at home, uh, yes, if I was in the kitchen, I couldn't be watching TV in the great yeah. room. There wasn't a great room. There was a living room. Mm-hmm. But, you know, now if it's just me at home, it's nice if I can be cooking and watching yeah. TV at the same time or having guests over mm-hmm. and all talking together. Um, where yeah, when and you can be a part of it because everyone's exactly. together. You can see each other. You can converse. Yeah. Whereas before, you might have been put off into the kitchen, and you can't talk to anybody there because you're in the kitchen. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think some people will keep their homes, and they'll do those remodels that as time dictates and trends dictate that you'll go, okay, I should make those change. But then there'll be a lot of people that they're like, I have no idea how to do it. Mm-hmm. I don't have the... Even though I watch HGTV, mm-hmm. I still don't really have the personal style to be able to say how this should be. Yeah. They'll just go buy it. Yeah. yeah. Or, or go build it. Yeah. As my friend Chris is doing. And that's a fun, that's a fun process for her. I'm loving that process for her. So you had talked earlier about how you used to be like the queen of the first, first, the, first home, buyers. first yeah. time home buyers. And that they're like really looking out for these people that don't make mm-hmm. a lot of money. I mean, you've shared a lot of nuggets of wisdom on this, but if there's like one thing that people can remember from all your wisdom. Of, do it today. Do it today. Yeah, today. It's kind of like the tree theory. You know, the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The next best time is today. So really, it is today. You should not wait any longer. If you can afford to buy, it won't be your dream house, but go buy. Get in the market. It's your best savings plan. It's your best best wealth builder. It's your best write-off. It's the best security for raising a family and being able to make decisions, adulting. Uh, It really is the best way to do that. Okay, start and, today. And then start don't today. and then know that it won't be your last house. It just won't be for anybody. That's good advice. Well, Lee, we could talk for about five days. I'm sure. <laughs> I would enjoy every minute of it, honestly, because we've talked. I know, I feel this, like this is I, I this really has been a delight. It. Yeah, it's, it's it's really a delight to talk. Well, thank you. Uh, to you. I appreciate you coming out and taking the time to share with our listeners and with us your wisdom which goes back decades so we appreciate you coming out with us you two made it easy thank you (laughs) well now if you if someone wants to contact you personally in order to draw from some of this wisdom that you have where could they contact you uh best way would be my cell phone which would be 801-541-5899 or you can email me at lee stern at kw.com and Lee is L-E-E. And Stern is like my grandchildren think I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> Love it. So thank you for sharing with our listeners how they can secure a house for their home by just starting today and, and getting in. episodes, head on over to utahrealestatepodcast.com. And while you're there, if you're a first-time home buyer, realtor, or loan officer, sign up for one of our courses at Silver Dollar Academy. I personally handpick all the instructors so you know, you know, Steph, 
they're the best. And if you're having withdrawal pains by only hearing from us twice a week, what do we got for them? We have a new podcast catered to real estate agents called Nominations. And the only way a guest gets on Nominations, guess what? Is by being nominated. So you know they're the cream of the crop of the real estate industry. This production is brought to you by Title One. Located in Sandy, they are Utah's leading title company in securing a house for your home.